1: Presented by AT and T. Connecting changes everything.
0: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark, and there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerry with her stories she makes up, <laughs> and uh, this is stuff you should
0: know. Uh, yeah, we have a Jerry story, but not for this one, for the other one we're recording. Right. Hint, spoiler coming up. What's the spoiler? Like, you just gave a spoiler about a spoiler. That Jerry has a personal story uh, relating to the second of the two shows we're recording today. Gotcha. Not much of a spoiler. No. but people love any nugget from Jerry, they're like, oh my God, what is it?
1: Right. <laughs> Especially when she talks. Yeah. Um, Chuck. Yes. So if we weren't on any sort of watch list before, after researching yesterday and today for this episode, we most decidedly
0: are. We're on some kind of red list.
1: Yeah. If that's the highest list,
0: I would guess we're probably on it. Yeah. I don't know if that's the highest, but it's a list that we're probably on.
1: We're at least on the same list as Glenn Greenwald. Who yeah. I think is a righteous
0: dude. Did you? You read his book, right? Uh huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. I think that we should point out a few th- pieces of required reading slash viewing for this one. Okay. If you, if this if this episode like strikes your fancy, read Glenn Greenwald's book No Place to Hide. Yep. Awesome. Like all sorts of new revelations in there, and like his take on the media and how. Um. It, it's just a great read. Yeah. Have you read it? I have not, sir. You should. I will. Um. You should also read Why Privacy Matters Even If You Have Nothing to Hide, which is an article by Daniel J. Solove in uh, the Chronicle for Higher Education.
0: That is a, a must read because I think uh, that's a lot of people's argument is that, well, you know, if you're not a terrorist, then why do you care? Exactly. It does matter. He demolishes that argument. Well, it's not an argument. Um, it's and a then, non-argument. And then you should
1: also watch uh, parts one and two. I think they're both online of the United States of Secrets, uh, which is a front line. I haven't seen that. Documentary, Cool. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. It's so good.
0: And front which is always good.
1: Yeah, it's just <laughs> like a great non-fiction magazine article, but for your eyes. Come to life. Yeah. Thanks, man. Sure. So um, th- was there anything in here that you didn't really know?
0: About the NSA? Uh-huh. Well, yeah. I mean, I imagine we'll cover it in this order, which is a little bit about the organization, and then... All the scary things that they do, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I I'd read a lot of uh, Edward Snowden's revelations, but there were so many. Um, I think you have to read a book.
1: Yeah, I mean, when we were researching this, there were things like that I didn't know about, sure. and it's such an ongoing, like ever-evolving story too. That, yeah. like, if if I was reading an article and it was from longer than a year ago. You know, it was virtually useless because that was pre Snowden revelations. And then even yeah. the, the stuff that came out in like June 2013, it's, they seem so naive now. Yeah. It's just like, oh, well, the NSA's admitted to this. Oh, and it turns out that they were totally lying. But so now they've admitted to this. Right. And then, you know, it, it just kept expanding. And every time, like they were just, just admitting just the barest minimum. And then there was another revelation and, it just showed that whatever they admitted to could be magnified times a thousand or whatever.
0: Yeah, I listened to an NPR thing on uh, just the the policing of the police, essentially, mm-hmm. or the policing of the NSA and how it's virtually impossible because their whole deal is to, and I guess this is the beginning of what they do, it's not only do they try and Crack codes and intercept messages, but they're also charged with safeguarding their own. Right. And a lot of the government agencies own, uh, important information. Right. So to police an organization like that is just, it's an exercise in futility because their job is to avoid that. Yeah.
1: They encrypt and decrypt.
0: Yeah. Right. So it's tough. And there's no checks and balances, it seems like, and it's scary.
1: Yeah. They're supposed to be, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. All right. So let's talk NSA. The whole thing came about in 1952. Uh, under Harry Truman, the S stood for nothing.
0: Yeah, and I, I want to go ahead and point out now, I'm not going to get too opinionated, but I don't feel that there should not be something like the NSA because mm-hmm. they serve a valuable you know, service. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to do it in the right ways. Sure. And I don't think they are. Right. And that's the last thing I'm going to say, opinion-wise. <laughs> Everything else will be just fact. I just don't want this to come across as like poo-pooing, like they should shut them down forever. Well, yeah. I think you just overtly said you don't feel that way. Okay. 1952, Harry Truman.
1: Harry S. Truman. Yes. And the S for nothing. That's right. Um, he created the NSA basically to um, try to get electronic information eavesdropping on other countries. Yeah. And do some encryption. So basically from the beginning, the NSA's had the same dual mission that it has today.
0: Yeah. Officially, <laughs> that's called uh, SIGINT, which... Um, everyone loves the acronyms in these intelligence agencies Uh in the military, uh, signal intelligence.
1: That's the eavesdropping part.
0: Yeah. And then information assurance, which is, you know, trying to assure them all that their information is safe. So safeguarding and
1: by encrypting it. Yep. Yeah. So they've been doing that since the beginning. Yes. The thing is, is since even though they've been around since 1952, they haven't been publicly acknowledged as existing until the mid seventies, thanks to the church committee hearings which sussed out all sorts of intelligence community abuses, like the CIA experimenting on unsuspecting Americans with LSD and what the NSA was up to. And until that point, it was just outright denied that the NSA even existed.
0: Yeah, and uh, a lot of people might think the CIA is the same thing, but NSA is generally just intelligence, and CIA is uh, acting on that intelligence. Exactly. Exactly out in the field. And I say they're holed up in some room somewhere.
1: And they've been ke- keeping in locks, lockstep over the years. Well, especially since 2001. I shouldn't say over the years, but really since 2001, uh, they've been kind of uh, symbiotically growing with the internet. Yeah. Um, and as a result, they become incredibly more prominent as far as the 17 agencies tasked with gathering and collecting and analyzing intelligence for the executive branch yeah. go. Um, maybe even more so than the CIA these days because what their job, what they do, fits so nicely into the expansion of the Internet. Like, basically, they can do their job just by tapping into the Internet, and they've spent the last decade or so figuring out how to do that more efficiently.
0: Yeah, they love the Internet.
1: And to gather as much stuff as possible. It's That's right.
0: It's basically like they used to have to... And I'm not saying it's not hard work, but now basically they said, well, every, all the information we need for the most part is now gathered in one big corral. Exactly. Called online. Yeah. And everybody
1: just, just tell your friend whatever you want. It's secret. Yeah. Uh, you know, share what you like on Facebook. We can't put it together with all the other data and com- <laughs> create a complete profile on you and know you better than your mother.
0: That's why number stations, buddy. Yeah. It's going to go back to the past. I wonder. I could see it. I mean, I'm surely bad people realize that the internet is not a safe way to do business anymore.
1: Yeah, but there's such a reliance on that kind of communication yeah. that it's now like I, know. I mean, have we passed the point of no return where it's I like it's just kinda of, people just don't talk on the phone about stuff like that anymore? Or? People don't talk on the phone anymore. you right. Or they they don't talk over email anymore. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you know.
0: Alright, so the NSA works alongside the, uh, something called the CSS, the Central Security Service, and they are basically the military side, uh, that does the same thing that the NSA does.
1: Right, so from what I understand, as of 2013, there was 30,000 m- military personnel as part of the NSA. So maybe that's what makes up the CSS. And then 60,000 to 70,000 Contractors, yeah, working for the NSA. So basically, there's like ninety to one hundred thousand people who work for the NSA.
0: Yeah, and that contractors number may be going down because um, one of the fears that the government now has, because Edward Snowden was a contractor, is mm-hmm. that we've got way too many civilian contractors working uh, for us.
1: Maybe so. The thing is, is Snowden was portrayed as a low level. A Booz Allen contractor? Yeah. And did you watch that interview with him on NBC, I think, a couple months ago? Mm, it was the only American interview he's given to
0: this point. I didn't see that one.
1: He basically said... Actually, he didn't even basically, basically said. He said... I'm a spy. Yeah. I'm a highly trained spy. Right. This whole thing where they're saying, like, I was a low-level contractor, he's like, that's not true. He said, I've been working undercover in a foreign country for the CIA. I've worked undercover for, in a foreign country for the NSA. So the whole idea that just some low-level contractor had access to all this stuff is not correct. He was, like – a. Pretty high level spy.
0: Yeah, supposedly they're not interested in him anymore. Although I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't buy that either. They, the, they came out like literally two days ago and said, you know what? As time goes on here, his information is less and less relevant. That's now that's true. And they said so. We honestly, he's because he's trying to cut a deal to get back to the U.S. Mm. And now, or at least it may change, but now they're saying, eh, I don't really care. Right, stay over there in Russia. Like I- you're, you're. you're the stuff you have is old news by now,
1: right? And I mean, he threw such a wrench in the works that it—they th- may have to just go back and start from scratch.
0: I'm, I'm sure they'd still like to get their hands on him, though.
1: Sure. And okay. even if they're not having to start from scratch, th- it seems to be that the capabilities of the NSA are evolving so quick that yeah, the snapshot that he provided from what April 2013, yeah, is you know now it's more than a year old. Who knows how much it's changed? So you're right, like. It's just getting less and less relevant as it goes on.
0: Yeah, what's scary is that you just referred to close to 2 million documents as a snapshot. Yeah. And that's true. That is just a small portion yeah. of uh, what's going on.
1: If you're watching the NSA, though, um, and a lot of people are now more than ever, uh, they appear to be continuing to expand and expand and expand. Like, they've got this data center in um, Salt Lake City that yeah. they just opened. And it, Chuckers... Is capable of storing data in the range of zettabytes. Z-E-T-T-A <laughs> bytes. How many terabytes is that? I don't know how many terabytes it is, but it's one sextillion bytes. How so many that's big max is that? Twenty, I mean, that's 22 zeros. Wow. wow. Consider this on the low end estimate. So they can store at least one sextillion bytes of data yeah. in this place in Salt Lake City. There are on the low end, 10 sextillion stars in the entire visible universe. Wow. That's a lot of data that they yeah. just built a house for out <laughs> in Salt Lake City. So they don't appear to be slow in the roll at all.
0: No, and they in fact hired um, in 2011-2012 about 3,500 new employees. Um, and this article very just sweetly points out if you want to go work for the NSA, you, you <laughs> don't even have to be a computer major. You can major in music and history and still engage in uh, cryptanalysis. Right. So that's good to know.
1: Right, because, I mean, if you think about it, they sometimes they use more than just key codes. Like if somebody wanted to sure. decrypt your number station key, they would have to be familiar with, uh, what was it, To Kill a Mockingbird?
0: Uh, was that the book we used? Yeah. The, yeah.
1: Sure. So you would want to hire, like, a lit major or something like that to to crack a, a to cryptanalyze something like that. So it
0: makes sense. Yeah, plus they train them that you're not expected to come into the NSA as a, uh, a securities encryption expert. They will send you to school and class right. to teach you how to do this stuff. That's right. And I'm they sure have you have to meet certain requirements. They
1: also have internships for students. <laughs> That's right. Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine just interning at the <laughs> NSA for the summer?
0: Yeah. And not being killed afterward? <laughs> um. Some of the victories over the years with the NSA, uh, like the Cuban Missile Crisis, we should note, uh, because of uh, SIGINT, again, signals intelligence, um, we realized that the Russians were not just installing, uh, well, we discovered they were installing nuclear warheads. Right. And they just weren't vacationing in Cuba.
1: And we also found out from SIGINT, from the NSA, is that the Russians had taken over the controls of the Cuban missile system. Yeah. So Russia installed nuclear warheads and- Had the key. Had, yeah, in Cuba, pointed right here at the U.S. Yeah. But during the Cuban Missile Crisis, the NSA also diffused the whole thing by eavesdropping and finding some sort of um, transmission among, I think, the Russian Navy. Yeah. That showed that Russia was not going to challenge this quarantine the U.S. had put around Cuba, which was kind of like the new line in the sand- that kennedy had drawn
0: yeah perhaps avoided nuclear war right thanks to that intelligence
1: so they have delivered the goods before
0: they, they sure have uh, they were under fire uh, after 9-11 for not delivering the goods yeah um and i remember um famously said you know we had some communications that there was something big going down they
1: had like 30 of them and yeah. two specifically mentioned september 11th
0: right but we didn't know what it was or where it was and um It's kind of hard to throw a dragnet over the the country. And they didn't even know it was going to be in the country, supposedly.
1: Yeah. Uh, There's a guy in the um, United States of Secrets who was one of the NSA analysts who, like, missed 9 11. Yeah. Like, one of the guys. And he is a wreck. Oh, I'm sure. He's just weeping like sobbing the whole interview. It's really tough to watch. Yeah. I like imagine. this guy's just going to go to his grave like every day. Yeah. Just hating himself for it. It's really sad.
0: That is sad. Um they uh, since 9/11 a lot of changes have taken place. Uh, obviously, we'll get to the online aspects, but it's just a different deal these days. The people that you're looking for are able to hide in plain sight and they're operating um, best case scenario, they're operating in a cell of, you know, a dozen people that you might be able to track. Worst case scenario, you've got a single person just acting on their own, which is nearly impossible yeah. to, uh, to kind of root that person out. You have to wait on, catch them in the act, which was the case in Times Square with, uh, what was his name? Uh, Fazal Shazad. hmm I think that sounds the right. The Times Square bomber. Yeah.
1: Or would-be bomber. Yeah, he was a lone wolf. The thing is, a lot of people criticize the NSA for even having these cases associated with their names because these cases were made from regular old um, warranted police work.
0: Yeah, real police. Yeah.
1: So um, the, there's a lot of criticism that the NSA really hasn't delivered the goods for many, many years. Yeah. And that, um, one of the problems is, is that it's drowning in data. Like it missed the Boston bombers. Right. Um, it missed the shoe bomber, the underwear bomber. Like there was, and these were even overseas yeah. targets, people like planning and plotting.
0: Well, when you're tracking every cell phone call made in the United States, you're bound to be awash in data. Yeah.
1: And that's, that's probably the most salient criticism. Like even Glenn Greenwald agrees with you. Like that we don't need to do away with the NSA. Right. But the problem is if you are doing what General Keith Alexander, who runs the show there, wants, which is collect everything. Yeah. Um, then you're awash in data. It's big data with the capital B and the capital D where you have so much data, you can't make sense of anything. You can't possibly wade through it. Right. And, um, when, when you're in that situation, you can easily have something that you need and, and just it, pass right by. Yeah. So, uh, what Greenwald says is we should be targeting people more effectively. Like, yes, use the NSA capabilities. They're awesome. Right. But put them to good use. Right. Don't, don't just cast this wide net across the entire world. That doesn't do anything.
0: Yeah. Uh, one of the big controversies, uh, that we're going to get into right after these messages has to do with, uh, warrants. And whether or not you should have to have a warrant to uh, collect information on someone. So we'll get to that right after this. Hey,
1: everybody. We're here to tell you about Viator, a tool that you can use to plan and book travel experiences around the world.
0: That's right. The Viator app and website make it easy to explore 300,000 plus travel experiences so you can discover what's out there no matter where you're traveling or what you're interested in.
1: Yep. Viator can help you plan better travel experiences. 300,000 plus travel experiences to choose from means you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy.
0: That's right. You can also enjoy real traveler reviews to get insider information from people who've already been on the experience that you're considering. Plus, you get free cancellation that helps you plan for the unexpected.
1: Yeah, and Viator offers 24-7 customer service, so you know you'll get support at any hour if things aren't going as planned. So download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find the perfect travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments, where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very nice.
0: That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. That's right. There's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on.
1: So, Chuck, we've been talking about the NSA. Yeah. And um, did we even say what it stood for? (laughs) Surely we did, didn't we? I don't think we did. Oh. It's the National Security Agency. Yeah. And for, uh, many years it had a, the nickname No Such Agency. Yeah, because
0: they were just so secretive. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, and under, under a law that was passed in 1978 as the, as part of the church committee hearings, um, this thing called the FISA court was set up. And the FISA court was, came out of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA. And it basically said the NSA, to do its job, can go forth and eavesdrop on everybody outside of the U.S. Please do. Yeah. That's That's your job. But we understand that some of those people who you need to keep an eye on may actually come into the U.S. Well, we have a line drawn there. Yeah, You guys need to get a warrant. And since 1978, as far as anybody knew, until about 2001,
0: 2002- Yeah. Uh, that's how the NSA operated. Yeah, if you needed, if you wanted to, uh, listen in on someone's phone call inside the U.S., you had to go to this court and get a, uh, a warrant, uh, 11 members, and out of 34,000 warrant applications between 1979 and 2012, all but 11 were passed through. Yeah. So, there was a, FISA court, but they approved ninety nine point ninety seven percent of warrants.
1: Right, so it wasn't hard. No. If you wanted to, if you wanted to target somebody, all you had to do was ask. Pretty so much. There was a rubber stamp just hovering right over the desk.
0: Yeah, you know. I wonder what the deal was with those eleven.
1: They just must have been egregious. Yeah, um, my thing- paper boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. The the thing
0: who who like overcharges. Yeah, like I want to spy on my paper boy <laughs> right. and my milkman.
1: Um, the, the thing is, is in 2002, a lot changed as a result of 9-11. It's part of the USA Patriot Act. Man, the name of that act. Yeah. Um, as part of the Patriot Act, the, the NSA was given broader abilities to eavesdrop within the U.S. That's right. So basically what happened was that George Bush said the NSA can monitor international... Emails and phone calls, if they're generated within the U.S., as long as they're going overseas right. and they're part of a targeted investigation, yeah, warrant without a warrant. That's right. That's the key. Um, and that happened in two thousand two. The press actually knew about this. The New York Times sat on it during a, an election, Bush's reelection, yeah, and was roundly criticized once they finally released it in two thousand five after he was reelected. Um, but the the point is that as part of the Patriot Act and this Bush executive order, um, the NSA was allowed to start paying attention to business records that the feds could get from American companies and they could eavesdrop on domestic initiated calls.
0: Yeah, and the, the business records, it was an expansion there. You could always subpoena or get a warrant for business records. But under the terms um, it expanded to was that uh, quote, any tangible thing related to an investigation to obtain foreign intelligence or protect against terrorism. So any tangible thing is about as broad as it gets. It really is. You can basically say anything. And, uh, if it's not, Hey, I want to spy on my paper boy. Right. Then you can get that warrant.
1: But if you say, I want to spy on my paper boy and his name is Akbar, the FISA court would probably be like, okay, here's two.
0: Yeah. Take two warrants. <laughs> Well, yeah, i got some stuff on that we'll get to later.
1: Um, so as if that weren't expansive enough, I mean, having to go get a warrant and having a 99.97% approval rate, then not having to get a warrant for a lot more stuff, if that weren't enough, in 2008, Barack Obama expanded it even further. Yeah. I should say reduced the obstacles between the NSA and the information it seeks even further. He said that, he I think he signed an executive order. That said that um, you can monitor the communications between a U.S. national yeah. and a foreign national if the foreign national is the target of an investigation. Right. Before it was like, oh, there's an American involved, the NSA's out. Right. Maybe we'll tip off the CIA or the FBI or something like that, but the NSA is out. That was changed in 2008.
0: Yeah, and enacted for another five years through, this. Uh, oh, starting in December tw- uh, 2012. Right. Isn't that right?
1: Yeah, it also did something really, really huge. The big one for the 2008 FISA expansion um, is that it took away the need to get a warrant for bulk communications collection as long as it was metadata. Right. Which meant now that the NSA could go grab as much data as it wanted, phone yeah. call records, Email records, all that stuff. With the help of the phone companies. hmm Yeah. As long as it didn't contain the text of the email. Right. Or it wasn't a voice recording of the phone call. Right. They didn't need to get a warrant for everybody's stuff. Now, they still were supposed to, when they found out that an, um, they had an American's information, they were supposed to destroy it, unless it was related to a cyber crime, any crime at all, conceivably was related to some sort of security issue, or there was some other reason. Then they, they could keep it for five years, and then that could be extended for another five years. And again, this is really broad stuff. So if they caught an American stuff, they can conceivably hang on to it for five years, no problem.
0: Yeah, yeah the, the problem here is twofold, is not having a warrant is shady enough, but to have the warrants not be what they're supposed to be, which is an effective checks and balances system. It sounds like the warrant system was a joke. Anyway. Yes. So and even if, removed... even if they said, well, we gotta have warrants again, it's back to that joke of a system. Exactly. So either way, it's kind of like a, you know, a joke. It is. An or empty the, the, process. Yeah. The joke being that there are, are any real checks and balances. Yes.
1: So what, what came out over time over these Snowden revelations, cause all of this was secret, um, that, that, the oversight that there was on the NSA after 2001 was just peeled back more and more and more. And there was barely any oversight to begin with. Yeah. And that at the same time, they were expanding their capabilities too. And the third prong in this trident of cloak and (laughs) dagger-ishness is um, that they also had the complicity of telecommunications and internet companies.
0: Yeah, with operation uh, Prism which was another one of Snowden's revelation, uh they collect internet information, anything that you do on the internet, your search history, your file transfers, your emails, what you do on Facebook, and like you said, it is with the assistance of Apple and Facebook and Google and Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't think they've admitted that though, right? They have said basically that the companies if, themselves
1: if the if the NSA comes with a, a warrant a 702, I think, is what it's called. Yeah. From a FISA court, That's they the hand section. it over. They don't like it, but they'll hand it over. But yes, I don't think they ever have publicly admitted, and they've denied that they have allowed the NSA free access into their servers. Right. But what the Snowden files have come out and said is, there's here's this process where the NSA, somebody, some contractor somewhere, types into a computer that he wants, this guy's everything, through PRISM, and then that request is routed through the FBI. The FBI sends it out to these companies who send back everything they've got on that person, and then the FBI turns around and hands it back to the NSA. And this takes between an hour and a day, depending on who you ask. And then you have everything on that person. You have photos. You have their Snapchat stuff. You have their (laughs) um, Dropbox stuff. Facebook, Twitter, everything. You have all of their stuff, their emails, their phone calls, everything through PRISM. So how much the companies were complicit or not is still at issue.
0: Yeah, one of the things Snowden um, said to the Guardian, uh, I think the Guardian was where he first uh, dumped all this information, right? The Guardian in the Washington Post. And the Post. Um, he said that I, sitting at my desk, could wiretap anyone, uh, from you or your accountant to a federal judge or even the president, if I had their personal email. Uh, Mike Rogers, uh, Republican chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, said that that's a lie and it is impossible uh, for him to do that. Um, but I guess we should talk about the program X-KeyScore, which um, basically makes it look like that's exactly what could happen.
1: Right. Like Through X-KeyScore, um, it's supposedly the NSA's widest-reaching system for collecting electronic data. You can watch what people are doing in real time on their Facebook page, on their Gmail account, um, all that jazz. And apparently, remember when we talked about in the is my, is your employer spying on you episode? Yeah. That you could watch somebody while they were typing, even though they hadn't saved the document or something, and then they'd erase it and then retype it a different way. Yeah. I, this is, the impression I have is that that's what X Keyscore does.
0: Yeah. Again, um, without obtaining a warrant, or even having to get your supervisor on board. Yeah, you can just, you know, if you have the access to this program, you can. Oh just yeah, if punch you're the, name.
1: the NSA contractor. Yeah, right. Um, and there's supposed to be some sort of like approval process, but apparently that's not really real either. Um, and then Chuck, there's one other that's kind of related to this. Um, Dropout Jeep is a program where some somehow in iPhones. There is a um, software implant that's. I don't. I, I. The impression I have is that it's in all iPhones, uh-huh. and from anywhere in the world, the NSA can turn your camera on, turn your microphone on, and turn your iPhone, this thing that you interact with so intimately, yeah. um, into a, a, a mole, and it eavesdrops on you. Wow, that's pretty scary stuff. Like, that uh, makes you want not not want to like be yourself in your own home. Yeah, if your phone is sitting there, like that's that's paranoia, and but it's well founded paranoia.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we'll get right after this message. We're going to get a little bit into the um the the non argument that if you have nothing to hide, what's the big deal? Okay. Stuff you
1: know. All right. Game off.
0: Okay, so the non-argument. <laughs> if you have nothing to hide, then who cares? Um, one of the problems is this, uh, it, it depends what the NSA considers. Well, first of all, they're just mining all this uh, like bulk material from everybody.
1: Yeah, can I throw a couple numbers out? Yeah. In one month in 2013, the NSA gathered in one month 124 Billion phone calls, the whole call, not just metadata, which, by the way, supposedly gives a clearer picture of you and your behavior than a phone call necessarily would. Um, And three billion of those phone calls were from the
0: United States. That's a lot. And that's a single month, three billion phone calls?
1: Yeah. And then let me give you one more number. There's a, from the Snowden files, um, some journalists analyzed them Uh and they analyzed 160,000 emails and IM chats that the NSA collected 90% were from average Americans and they contained identifying, um, details, yeah. intimate details, like just the stuff like you would share to like your closest confidant. Right. Um, the NSA had, and 90% of it was just average Americans.
0: Well, uh, remember when we talked about Tor mm-hmm. in our deep web episode, that was a good one. Um, it's an internet uh, anonymizer um that allows you to search the internet supposedly anonymous the nsa uh revealed recently that they consider everybody that uses tor a potential extremist
1: in that 2008 FISA amendment act yeah one of the one of the uh, exceptions for getting rid of an american's stuff is if it's encrypted so if you are using encryption stuff, the yeah. NSA can target it and try their best to decrypt it just because it's encrypted.
0: Yeah, everybody – in, in fact, if if you even visit Tor's website, you're going to be put on the NSA's red list, supposedly, yeah. just by visiting the site. And as we pointed out in the Deep Web episode, not everyone that uses Tor is on the Deep Web – is an extremist. There's a lot of people that just like their privacy. Right. Journalists, attorneys, uh, civil rights activists, mm-hmm. regular schmoes that don't want to be spied on are now considered ex- potential extremists because they don't want to be spied on.
1: Under this 2008 executive order by Obama.
0: That's right. Uh, who else might be uh, looked at? How about potential um, someone you don't like in politics? Yeah uh it was just released um i think greenwald was it, who exposed this too that five um, americans were surveilled under this program without a warrant uh one was a republican party operative one was a civil rights activist a few of them were professors they were all muslim that's no accident hmm. uh just regular folks though nothing not extremist not terrorist the right. republican party operative was a served in the navy he's he's like a good dude and was being spied on. And um, in 2011, Wired.com revealed FBI training documents that said view all Muslims as potential radicals. And the NSA internal training document um, as a placeholder for surveillance targets uses the term Mohammed Raghead. Jeez. And that's basically if you're a Muslim and you live in the United States or abroad, then you are looked at as the enemy as far as the NSA is concerned. Yeah. Or a potential enemy.
1: Well, that was the thing. When all of this stuff started to come out, Obama's administration was saying, like, we don't spy on Americans. We're not, like, getting all this information on Americans. It's not Americans. It's everybody else. And the Internet companies were like, um, like, a good portion of our customer base are overseas. And you're sitting here saying, like, we still target them. Yeah, because they're foreigners. Yeah. It was, it, so, yeah, it's it, Either way, it doesn't really dovetail with your point, but it, you just chug my memory.
0: What about spying on your wife or your girlfriend? Surely no one would ever use this capability to do something like that, right? Right. It happens. And they um, they have data that said they used a warrantless surveillance on wives, girlfriends, would-be girlfriends, uh, and abuse that spawned the intelligence community's uh, term love int instead of sig int. So some... Guy has the program open, X keystroke, and he's like, Hey, I wonder if my girlfriend's cheating on me. Mm-hmm. Or not even that. I just want to spy on this person. Right. This girl I want to go out with. Yeah. That's what's, and I'm not saying that's happening all over the place, but if it happens at all, it's an abuse of power.
1: Right. Um, the, the guy Daniel Solove in his, um, Why Privacy Matters article, he makes the point that even if you do have nothing to hide or whatever. Yeah. If everybody has a dossier, if everybody has some sort of file, and if you ever do decide to say, speak out against tyranny or or um, the, the EPA or whatever, they can say, hey, we've got this troublemaker over here. What file do you have on them? Right. And all of this stuff, whether it's in context or not, can all be pieced together to look however they, they want it to look. And all of a sudden- you suddenly lose your conviction. Yeah. Like that's the the NSA is at at the least in danger of having so much information that it can't possibly keep track of everything. At worst, it's setting up the foundation for a tyrannical government that by its very definition and nature and the capability that it has can't be anything but tyrannical. Even if it tried not to be tyrannical, it couldn't. With this capability,
0: yeah, and and they literally like will install something called fiber optic splitters at communications hubs. It has to be under the compliance of the of, the, of these companies. Like they, it they're it not breaking works. in there and doing it. There's no way.
1: This is a revelation that came out before Snowden. Uh, there was a guy by the last name of Klein who was an AT and T engineer in San Francisco. Yeah, and he found this. This is in the United States of Secrets. He found this cable going up from one of the, I guess, main routers. Where's that
0: going? Yeah.
1: (laughs) And he went and looked on the schematics and he's like, wait, there's not supposed to be a room above there, but there's a cable going to a room that's not on the blueprints for this building. So he started looking and what he found was the splitter that you were talking about where it takes the, if the communication line is a beam of light on a fiber optic cable, it uses a mirror to make a copy of it and Split it in two. And one goes th- to the intended recipient, the other goes to the NSA.
0: Yeah. And that could be your information, or your life.
1: Or your phone call, your email, whatever.
0: Yeah. How about this? They, uh, will intercept hardware, like a router, uh, servers, and, and retrofit them to serve their purposes, factory seal it, and send it right back to be sold. Yeah. So it is pre pre bugged for your convenience.
1: Right. They they reroute it from the distribution chain without the person who ordered it from like Hewlett Packard or whoever. Yeah. Knowing that it was intercepted by the NSA and
0: bugged. Well, and because of all of this stuff, there's some people that call Edward Snowden a hero. Some people call him um Benedict Arnold and a big fat traitor mm-hmm. that should never be allowed back in the country. Mm-hmm. Um if he hadn't come out and said this stuff, it would probably all still be going on in secret, don't you imagine? For sure. I don't think they would have self-reported.
1: No. No, they definitely would not have. <laughs> I think we're in total agreement on that.
0: So, uh, you know, it's up to listeners out there to decide how you feel about what this guy did. Chuck,
1: um, there's some other stuff that the NSA did, apparently under the auspices of the FISA Court. One of the um, so it's it's tasked with eavesdropping on like enemies of the state yeah it's also crackerjack at getting economic and diplomatic information sure to people like the department of energy the department of agriculture the ambassadors to the un um people who deal with the eu all of these people are bugged by the nsa yeah and we've just recently found out and they've just recently found out and are not very happy about it in order to give the u.s information superiority in negotiations
0: yeah that's what I was talking about earlier, like basically using it for political gain has nothing to do with spying on terrorists. Exactly.
1: It's information superiority. That's the yep. stated aim of the NSA. Collect it all. There's another one, too, that really, like, before the Internet companies were feeling um, frustrated that they weren't allowed to talk about these 702 warrant
0: requests. Yeah, that's Section 702. That's yeah. where that comes from.
1: And, and because... In addition to having to give the government this information, you also can't talk about it at all. There's a gag order associated with it. So the Internet companies couldn't say anything in their defense about this. Right. But they were still – they were frustrated, but then they felt um, like a thief – had gotten to broken into their houses. Yeah. Because they found out about this program called Muscular. And Muscular went around the internet companies and went directly to the fiber optic line between Google servers and Yahoo servers and just tapped in. Yeah. And sucked it right out of there. And apparently decrypted it fairly easily. Yeah. Um so they were getting information with the complicity of the internet companies and behind the internet companies' backs. Yeah. That was a huge surprise. So they were just basically like we have no allegiance whatsoever, yeah, except to our information collections
0: yeah it it seems like there are no rules and safeguards and checks and balances at all. I'm interested to see what happens in the coming years. i would my guess is that Snowden's revelations will become uh obsolete and unimportant, and that things will kind of go back to normal.
1: I hope they never become unimportant. I hope what you're saying isn't right. I know that Snowden initially feared to him, as he said, the worst thing that could happen is that if he did this, he took all these risks and and exposed all this. Yeah. And nobody cared. Right. That clearly didn't happen. But, you know, there's this second potential problem, which is that eventually people just become fatigued from all of this exposure to all, yeah. all of this information that you're just like, okay, I get it. I I I'm, my life is not my own. Yeah, yeah. I can't take worrying about this anymore. So I'm just going to detach and not care. Right. That I hope doesn't happen.
0: I think the vast majority of people don't care.
1: That's crazy to me. I know. Like again, yeah, I agree with you. You can feel about Snowden however you feel. Yeah. But the 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 concept of being snooped on. Regardless of your political affiliation or anything like that.
0: Yeah, it's not supposed to be that way here.
1: Th- that transcends like anything. Like how do you not care at least? Yeah. That's crazy to me. Uh, there's just like, this would be an 18 hour episode if we went into all the stuff the NSA did. So sure, we'll say if, if you like this, go I- look up the required reading um, and you'll find plenty of other stuff out there. on Everything you want to know about the NSA these days. It's all
0: out there, about all 2% of it.
1: (laughs) You can also learn more about the NSA by typing NSA into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And that will uh, bring up this fine article. Since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail. I'm
0: going to call this a bit on trickling down. Um, Hey, guys, wanted to write in uh, with a clarification uh, on the episode on trickle-down economics. At one point, you guys used an example of someone working... Not think it is uh, so worth it to get a promotion because so it could push, push you into a higher tax bracket. And thus, you are barely bringing home any more money. Uh, I had to write in because as someone who loves maths, I absolutely hate to see this misperception of how our taxes work. Uh, I've heard people I work with claim the same thing, thinking that getting a $500 bonus could push them over a line. And all of a sudden, it would bring uh, they would bring home less money than before.
1: I want to state for the record, I know this. We, we're just giving a different example that wasn't fully fleshed out
0: <laughs> uh, this is completely wrong based on how the tax structure works uh, even if you make one million dollars a year uh, the first nine thousand will be based at ten percent um, the next twenty eight thousand will be based at fifteen percent the next at fifty two thousand at twenty five percent and so on i think you guys know this since you kind of allude to it in other places but i was hoping you could make it perfectly clear so those people who might be mistaken realizing that making more will never push all of your income into a higher tax bracket. Uh, if you make, for example, $36,000, you'll be in that 15% bracket, and if you get a raise to $40,000 in the 25% uh, bracket, you will only be paying 25% on the $3,100 above that bracket line. Uh, the same is true of Josh's claim of the richest people in the U.S. used to pay 90%. True, but they only paid 90% on the amount over the previous bracket. Right, but let's say the previous
1: bracket ends at half a million. Yeah. And, and you then made the 50 next
0: fifty million dollars,
1: or no, or you made another half a million. Yeah, and it was taxed at ninety percent. That's a disincentive to work.
0: That's what we were saying. Yeah, like, yeah. I think we could have been clear on how it worked, though. I am
1: sure. sure we could have.
0: Um. Anyways, thanks for what you do, and that is from charity.
1: Thanks a lot, charity, for clarifying. Yeah. We appreciate it. Um, if you have a clarification for us for anything, uh, we want to hear from you. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash StuffYouShouldKnow. You can send us an email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com.